hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 256. Are you still talking? Can I put my headphones back in? Yes that and yes. Was no and yes. Loud. Welcome yourself all to the hottest episode of Sustainable we have yet done. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, isn't we all? Yes. All about people and the planet and why possibly just because things getting really really quite toasty we can still maybe have a little bit of a chuckle about it yes oh, come on we've come this far mm. laughing in the face of a certain apocalypse um i don't see why we should stop now yes uh we are going to be talking about the the uk being a world leader finally hey. a world leader in temperatures uh unfortunately that's not as good as it sounds. Uh, the climate has said, here you go, UK, get very, very hot. And um, and there are consequences. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact it's happened, what it feels like, uh, if it's changed anything, if it's changed everything, and how we feel about the prospects of it being that hot all the time. So that's... That's what we're going to talk about. Just the usual disclaimer. We do work for environmental charities, don't we all? Yep. But these are very much our sweaty little views. So, if anything that you hear makes you want to rub us down with a cloth, do so directly at Ol and I, but not the bosses for whom we work, yes? Yes. Also, we are a listener-funded podcast, so if you like what you hear... Or even if you don't, but you just want to indulge us, you can go to wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. You can chuck in the price of a pint to help the babble keep its costs on the road. And you can support independent podcasting in the way that is best for independent podcasting. What is Patreon? So do that. Don't support Ronan Keating's latest podcast or James A. Castor and Josh Widdicombe's 25th version of sitting around asking other comedians what they think about what other comedians are doing. Support the babble. Go there, chuck in, and even if we can't save the planet, we can still have a little laugh and a chuckle about it whilst going to hell in a handcart. Yes? Okay, on with it. Anti enough of the week. Right, Anti Inhoff of the Week, or this week, Anti Inhoffs of the Week. Because, Dave, we are putting the much maligned, unheard, unseen, culturally uh, underrepresented, and societally weak and powerless white middle-aged man in broadcasting. Oh, that's me then, isn't it? Am I going in Anti Inhoff Corner of the Week? Me? I suppose in a, in a way, yes, Dave. In a Aww. way, yes. But the reason we've grouped them together like that is because we happen to notice that people like Hugh Edwards, the kindly Welsh grandpa, don't know if he is a grandpa, uh, who presents the news and reassures you that everything's going to be okay. And Andrew Marr, who used to present the news and now does something still newsy, but uh, less bbc And people like that, who in the past, <clears throat> I'm fairly certain, would have been very much of the sort of calm down deer type view. They would have been, they would have been, you know, concerned that young people and 
all the rest of us were getting a little bit too het up about climate and they could remember when things were warm in the past and we shouldn't worry a pretty little... little well, things were made of wood, weren't they? Things were built to last in the past, oh? None of this, exactly, none of this nonsense. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I may be being very unfair. Maybe they've always been kind of searing climate activists under the radar. I'm not sure. But now they are all very much coming out and saying... No, this is a big deal because there are lots of critics who have been saying, well, I don't know if there's lots, but there are there are a number of critics who have been saying, oh, come on, we had eat in the past. Why are you getting all upset about that? <laughs> come on, the sun shone before. Still beat the Germans, didn't we? <laughs> exactly. And hell. Hugh Edwards and Andrew Marr and all the rest of them. And Adair Turner, old, you know, financy bloke who was in charge of something important in the city. They've all come out and done good old rants, a bit like this, on the news. This, like the loss of polar ice and underwater reefs, habitats and innumerable beautiful, useful species which cannot be replaced, is agreed to be happening by all the most respected scientific institutions in the world. No one can say they haven't been warned. And I, for one, have had enough of being told by pallid, shadowy, old businessmen and lazy, ignorant hacks and sleazy lobbyists who aren't real scientists, any of them, that the science is wrong and that what is happening isn't happening enough. And if this poison is being injected into the already undemocratic game of choosing a new prime minister, then it needs to be called out and flushed out right now. We need Because, oh, it got sodding warm, didn't it? It's oh, yes, I, I failed to introduce the context of all this. It's all right, which we did it at the start. It got, it sodding, got warm. It got sodding warm. Betty Swallocks was very much around my house for a mm. good few weeks, a good mm. few days of last week. Um, I know that most people around the world have temperatures that are that hot. I know that, like, globally speaking, 40.3 degrees Celsius oh! is not extraordinary, right? I know that. But the point is... Well, yes, but context. Context. Also, what is 40, what is that in Fahrenheit? What is that for an old man? Uh, I think it got up to 104. Oh, I think it's 104 lot. degrees Fahrenheit. That's a lot. In the UK. So, but context. Here, in little old blighty, little soggy, cold little blighty, it never got that hot ever, ever before. Last time I got remotely close to that hot was three years ago. But this year, it smashed it out the park. Yay, Britain! Yay, dwindling hours of the Boris Johnson Premiership. Well done. We finally won something. It certainly does suck. Yes, uh, these, these records don't get broken by big margins. Like... That it's it's a bit like a sort of hundred meter sprint in the athletics. Mm. Someone will you know shave point one of a second, no point one of a second, one uh, hundredth or one thousandth of a second off, right? And that's how these records go up. And what happened here was in the UK, the hottest ever was thirty eight point seven, I think, um, from as you say a few years ago. And just we just smashed that. We skipped the thirty nines, went straight to the forties. Yep. Uh, there were some forecasts which said. You know, if everything aligns, everything aligns, we could be looking at forty-two degrees. So, like nobody in the UK ever thought that there would be forty degrees 
in the UK. Like that just wasn't a thing that anyone thought was possible. Bear in mind, all of like the gammons get horribly sunburnt when it gets 25 degrees. Like well, that. they love it, don't they? Sitting out. That's why we call them gammons. They love sitting out. As soon as like, as soon as a tiny bit of sun comes out, they sit out in, on, on their artificial lawns behind their oh. fences, reading the telegraph, going pink and then saying it was better in my day. That's pretty much what a gammon does, isn't it? <laughs> and shouting yes. at anyone who points out that actually, see your day, mate. It is significantly hotter today than it ever got in your day. So shut your f***ing cake hole. Oh, oh, here we go. Language, Timothy. Well, mostly I've also wanted to be back in Shetland. Did you see that? Let's be careful now with talk of the UK. In Shetland, in the Shetland Islands, in Lerwick, do you know what temperature it was um, on Monday when it was 40 degrees here? I did see this. Wasn't it something like 15? Yes. Yes, yes, it was. They had all these interviews of people in like in the rain with four jumpers on, going like, "Oh, I wouldn't have mind a bit of that up here. I wouldn't have mind a bit of that up here." <laughs> As ever, Scotland's you know getting very little of the pie that the south of England carves no, up for well, itself. I mean, this is just the Shetlands. I mean, the the Scotland beat its record ever temperature. I think last week, so That's 30, true, yes. thirty something, thirty two, thirty three, four. I think, I think it got which is which is in the, in, in the lowlands, which yeah. is hot, right? But like forty degrees, it just it's stultifying, right? And it's probably stultifying even if you've got a infrastructure and a kind of culture and a expectation that it's going to be that hot. I'm sure it's bloody horrible then. I don't know, because I don't live in those places. I live in a place that isn't wired for 40 degrees, where my tiny little flat at midnight the other night was 33 degrees. Mm. Right? Do you know what I didn't Mm. do any of? Don't. Um, Sleeping is the answer. Oh, I was going to say Zumba. I didn't didn't do no Zumba. No. No. Is that still a thing? Um, People still Zumba? That was was very much a thing, sort of. Probably about five years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe a bit more. Everybody, certainly everybody in the charity sector was enthusiastically going off to their Zumba classes after after work, apart from the interesting people like me and you who were going to the pub, mm. like we always did and always will. And haven't we reaped the benefits of that life choice? <laughs> it's why I look the way I do today, Dave. And it's why the babble will never, ever be an audio-visual format. Basically, three reactions. I want to ask you about the three reactions that there were, right? Reaction number one, we have mentioned in passing. I don't want to really give this the time of day, but there was a small caucus of voices like Melanie Phillips in, what was it she was talking in? Some news, some arsehole newspaper, basically going... It's just weather, it's just sun. Oh, someone in The Spectator was banging on about it. That sort of coverage, that sort of media, that sort of person basically saying it's just a bit of sun. Uh, You know, it's the price we pay for all this economic progress. And anyway, uh, we're all much better. What would you want to go back, live in the mud again? It's all better now, right? And and Yeah, there was that. A variation of that was also kind of, but hang on, we all go on holiday to hot places where we experience right. these temperatures. So what are you worrying about? Like, just, you know, get over the fact that it's here. Where you, of course, um, famously then sit down with a beer yeah. in the shade of a bunion tree <laughs> and don't do anything, which is what holiday yes, is the, for. This was rather the point that I heard somebody on, I think it was the Today programme making, to an absolute Asshole, who like he was just a sort of professional contrarian. I can't remember his name. Never heard of him. Never heard of him before. But he, 
he basically just came on and was like, oh, you know, COVID's made us all like get worried about everything. And, you know, we've been on holiday and not worried about it then. And it's fine. And the presenter was like, well, yes, but when we're on holiday, we're, we're sort of on holiday, um, usually in places that are expecting it to be this hot and often in, I don't know, an air-conditioned hotel with a or under pool. a palm tree or next to a swimming pool yeah. and usually doing what I will, you know, professionally refer to as sweet pool rather than, I don't know, trying to take the tube to work or, I don't know, doing some outdoor labour. Like, it's not the same, no. you numpties. No. And it was very disingenuous for those people to be uh, claiming it was, of course. OK, Boomer. Reaction number two was all the people who were like, shit, shit, it's really, really hot. And look, there are loads of houses burning down and fires. And it's really, really hot. And Britain doesn't get this hot. And as you alluded to, I'm going to have a cough in a minute, so you have to say something. People who you would not normally talk about climate change, like your mainstream middle-aged white man commentators, starting to go, this is climate change. Say something, I'm going to cough. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is coughing. Crikey. Uh, yes, so people like Hugh Edwards, uh, who took to Twitter. He took to Twitter. A very busy man. I, I sometimes feel sorry for Hugh Edwards because he has an awful lot of standing around outside Downing Street or somewhere where things aren't happening. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough money to stand about where things aren't happening. Oh, how much does he earn every year? <laughs> no, he earns very well, I'm sure, but I don't know. It's just a bit, bit pointless and boring sometimes, isn't it? Anyway. There you are, Hugh. If you're listening, thank you for your uh, thank you for your contribution to the climate change debate. We do appreciate it. Thank you also for listening and for your regular Patreon support. Your job, however, we conclude, is pointless and boring. Sometimes pointless and boring. Mm. Is what I'm anyway, so he took mine. to Twitter. He took to Twitter and had a right old pop. At, uh, I think it was it was a, a politician, old Ian Austin. I think it was. Oh, who, him uh, used to be a Labour MP and is now a uh, member of the House of Lords, and it was never really very Labour from my. Oh, one, of one of them ones, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, what did he say? Oh, yeah, Ian Austin said, the BBC News at 10 is slightly overdoing the weather. First 23 <laughs> minutes have been devoted to the heat before we got onto the trivial and unimportant issue, ooh, sarcasm, Ian, uh, of who might end up running the country. And Hugh Edwards replied to it uh, saying, give it a rest. Yes, you. Uh, they're still on, f- this is talking about the Tory leadership thing. Uh, they're still on four candidates and we're seven weeks from a result. A result. Meanwhile, viewers are telling us they're far more exercised by climate change and the weather extremes. Go figure. Daddy, why didn't you have a stronger opinion about Liz Truss's economic policies? Oh, I'm sorry, son. I was too busy worrying about bloody climate change. <laughs> I want to come on in a little bit to talking about like has what has changed. Has this changed anything? Is anything you know? Because it's only a degree warmer than it was before. What has actually changed in practice, right? But before that, there was like another category of reaction that I just wanted to ask you about, Ol, which was what I didn't hear so much of. I think relative. Now you remember um, we've talked before about it being sodding hot and climate change and stuff. And back in episode 169, when I had my freak out, one of the things I talked about was a kind of sort of 
you know, general freak out the state of everything or maybe I need to stop. What I haven't heard so much of is like professional or, or like established climatey commentatory wonky people like you or me or half the people we have in this podcast. I haven't heard quite so much freaking out off of them. And I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Whether Maybe I just haven't noticed it, eh? But I wonder if there's an element of like, well, we kind of got this a while ago, mate, and actually we've done our freaking out and now we're in a maybe we need to, you know, just face what's happening type mode. Or maybe I just haven't been paying attention and other people have had the coverage for a bit. What do you think? I think that is roughly consistent with what I noticed as well. Mm-hmm. Um and probably what I felt, actually. I think... What, you felt you you didn't freak out? I definitely freaked out, but but I wasn't surprised. Like, we've been told for so long, you know, we, our job is to pay attention to all of this stuff, and we've known and been told for a long time that this but, stuff is going to happen. We've mentioned and, it once or twice in the course of this podcast. Exactly. So, it... I mean, it, like... The experience of it was very, very unpleasant, yeah. and it felt like it felt like I had to I had to take things quite seriously that day. Like it was actually really important that all the windows and doors were closed the whole time, and like trying to explain to the kids, for instance, that like they actually couldn't go outside. Uh, <laughs> However, sorry, much I shouldn't laugh at this, but it's just so surreal, to. isn't it? This is like yeah, it's it's quite odd. Yeah. It's quite odd because, you know, summertime, you're always, it's just a, it's a thing as old as the hills, isn't it? Like parents running around trying to put sun cream and a hat on a child that just wants to tear around in the nude um, in front of a pensioner or something. It was more of an imperative that they literally didn't go outside, um, apart from anything else. Because if they kept opening the sodding door, the moderately cooler air inside would rush outside and in would come, you know, a raging inferno or rendering all of my efforts useless as Mrs. O rendered you them useless oh, by o. opening the window Mrs. On, the grounds that, on the grounds that it wasn't sunny on that side of the house anymore and then I quietly pointed out in my quiet voice which is like this that the air was 40 degrees outside and the air inside wasn't 40 degrees and therefore opening the window was a bad idea um, sorry Mrs. O I'm sorry hey, well I don't think science knows actually Yes, uh, counterintuitive thing that it I, I, it took me a bit too long to realise that actually in this sort of heat it is a good idea to have your blinds down and your windows shut um, rather than what you what every instinct tells you to do, which is to open the window. So yeah, yes. which I suppose in itself is quite telling. Like, I mean, uh, <laughs> we are not used in this country to the air outside being way hotter than the air inside. Like, that just isn't a thing we're used to. So our instinct is is now having to be really, really challenged, which I suppose in itself is quite... Well, we will big. be this winter but, when we can't afford to heat our homes. Oh. Yes, that would be an interesting one, wouldn't yeah. it? Uh, to, yes, to go back to your, your question, I think that's right. I I think in the main, and do write in and tell us if this isn't your experience, Please but do. I think in the main, people who are kind of climate literate, if you want to use a silly term like that, were not the ones who were most freaking out because I think they were fully expecting this sort of thing to happen at some point. Because, um, well, because this sort of thing, this basically had, I'm not going to express this well for any many reasons, starting with the fact I'm not a scientist and I don't express things well. But like, this kind of had already happened, right? By which I mean, like, 
anyone who's been following climate science and knows that A, temperatures are getting big, uh, hotter, and B, we're still emitting stuff, knows that the hot weather that the UK had and the world has had, you know, we're talking about the UK, the world's had ludicrous heat all over the shop, that that was basically going to happen because we've already done it. Like, yeah, it didn't happen physics. because people woke up on Monday morning and turned all their ovens on and, you know, that's what it was. It wasn't that. It was all the climate change, what we have made happen, which means that the climate, the, the hot weather we're going to get next week, the week after next year, that's already happened as well. Like, if you've been paying attention, this is what it is. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly, and it, and it's basically now just a uh, an exercise in relatively futile kind of hope. Like, well, you know, I hope a big pocket of exceptionally warm air doesn't come our way, because um, there's not much else that. Yes, as you say, in the short term, you can't influence what is going to happen in terms of the short term temperatures. So, yeah, what? But on the flip side of what you were asking, uh, yes, I think more people who don't normally pay attention to climate change yes. or don't uh oh, that's not quite fair who who aren't sort of, not top of spending mind. a lot it's of time of thinking mind. and talking yeah. about it yeah. um were freaking out and and yeah certainly you know like members of close family and stuff described it as really scary yep. um Gary Lineker Gary Lineker Gary Lineker was freaking out when Gary Lineker freaks out we all freak out that's how things work right oh really good Hello, I'm Chris Packham, and you're listening to Sustainababble. One thing that I did want to sort of admit to, and I don't know if you want to admit to something similar, is that when I saw, you know, friends and family freaking out... <laughs> I know what you are going to say. There was a small but not insignificant <laughs> part of me that wanted very petulantly to scream... This is what I've been talking about! This is what I've been saying for about 15 sodding years! This is precisely what I said was going to happen and precisely what you all said nuh at best about or calm down, don't be ridiculous, there's always been cycles in the climate. Things like that. So, yes, I'm sorry you're scared, but I'm also not sorry because I've been telling you you should be scared for bloody years! But I didn't say that, luckily, because... I hope, I hope you enjoyed that clip from Don't Look Up that I just pasted into the uh, <laughs> into the audio there. <laughs> uh, but, I, like, that's it. Do you know right? what I mean? Is I know exactly me? what you mean. And maybe that actually explains the relative quietness of people like us in the commentary. Firstly, because other people are there to comment on it, and it's more interesting when Galen, Gary Lineker says something than us, let's face it. But also because, like... There's a real danger if someone had asked me to go on the telly and talk about it, of me just going on and go, "Well, what did you f***ing think was going to happen? Like, what did you think I was just wasting my time here? Do you think all of this was me wibbling my hands in the air for no reason? This is what I was saying, and not really helping anyone. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly it. Like, and I, as I think I said to you, like one of the things I concluded from that, thankfully, internal monologue, which until I said it on a podcast, hadn't found nope, its way to the external world. Um, one of the things I concluded was that I'm possibly not much use in all of this. Yes. Like, if I can't find it within myself to rise above the stroppiness and find some useful contribution, then what's the point? 
of me in all this. Do you know? Do you know well, what I mean? And also, this is this is the thing. I mean, sort of serious point here, right? But like, this is what campaigning is kind of all about, right? Is that like you, by definition, you care about a thing more than other people care about that thing. And the thing you care about may not always be a thing like climate change that comes to dominate a global consciousness, right? But often it is. And you often have to bang on about it for a very long time, ploughing quite a lonely sort of furrow, um, until the point where everyone else gets it, at which point your job is sort of done. I mean, at least in terms of the getting people to care about it bit. And your job kind of changes, doesn't it? To being like, well, what's the role I play now? Like, what is... You know, write in and tell us what sort of conversations have you had with your friends and family mm. when they have said to you for the first time, I'm scared about this thing. Because the, the mature grown-up thing to do is to go, yeah, sodding terrifying, isn't it? How are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and when you, when you encounter that, it's incredibly impressive. I think, like, Catherine Hayhoe is a very good example of that. Like, clearly someone who has got it for a very long time because science and stuff. Science, yeah. But uh, as per our episode with her, go and listen to episode... I forgot I can't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, your brain's gone, isn't it? Um, well, anyway, go and look up. I've I've dutifully tagged all our episodes with the relevant keywords, so go and search our website for Catherine Hayhoe. Uh, but she talks about, you know, finding points of unity, find, finding common ground with people who might completely disagree with you or who have only recently come around to thinking about this. Um, and it's mighty impressive when you when you see people doing that. So, Yeah. One thing to add to all this, Dave, though, is I think a lot of people in climate world were, you know, were assuming that once climate impacts hit the UK, and particularly the south of England, where all the money is and where all the inhofs are, Oi. and where all the people live who are going to decide who our next prime minister is, uh, incidentally, um, I think a lot of climate people thought when impacts hit those people, those people would, that would be the moment when they cared about mm. climate change because they're in halves and therefore they don't care about people in other places or who speak other languages or whatever, but they will care about their own lives and their own counties and their own property and stuff. Um, and I don't know, it's hard to tell how much of a thing this was, but there were loads of people just engaging some other form of denial now, like lots of people saying, hang on a minute, these fires were started by cigarettes or something. And it's like, well, yes, because grass doesn't just <laughs> doesn't just like self-combust. It there still requires a spark. The point is it was tinder dry and it was incredibly hot. Um, but there was, you know, various forms of denial were being wheeled out. Right. So it's it was hot before. It was hotter for longer in seventy six. Not true. Not true. But it was certainly it wasn't longer. hotter. Or it wasn't, it wasn't for hotter. Longer. No. Yeah. It was it was it was a heat wave for longer. But do you know what I mean? I, I I was sort of a little bit surprised, but not that surprised that denialism was able to find a way to be denialism in the face of all this. But that's human nature, isn't it? And it's only, I think, because of stupid media outlets and stupid Twitter enabling that kind of thing to actually be heard. That, Like so much of this stuff, like all of this kind of nonsense woke bashing stuff, like hardly anyone is really behind it. Like Even in the Tory party, hardly as many people are behind sort of woke bashing stuff. But it gets sort of blown out of all proportion because it's mm. a good story and because you can give that voice and because certain people, certain gobby outraged people can command. It's the same with this, isn't it? Like, nobody really, statistically speaking, 
is going to sit around now going, yeah, climate change isn't a thing. And they may think it's, they quite like it hot, but like the general tone of debate, I mean, this is the final question really for you, for me anyway, is like, like, do you think something like 40 degrees has changed something? Has that experience shifted something in the same way that when things come along, like when David Attenborough's Blue Planet comes along and suddenly everyone cares about plastic? Like, is this changed? Will the in-hoffs just be shut up forever in the scheme of things now? Will the debate change? Will we get more action? Will whoever replaces Boris Johnson sweep us to a glorious green upland appointing Caroline Lucas as Lord Jesus Christ Almighty? Ol? I think that last point is, I would say, unlikely. Uh, if I was a betting Baroness man... Baroness probably, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Baroness exactly. Almighty to you. Um, has anything changed? I think I think in some practical way things have changed. Like you have seen announcements from the person in charge of transport in UK politics saying, hmm, all our rail infrastructure basically had to shut. Mm. I found this out firsthand, by the way, when trying to go to Manchester the next day, which I did not successfully manage to do. No, I'm not surprised yeah. you <laughs> failed in that endeavour. Yeah. What with all the trains north of London being... Off. Yes. Hmm. Well, bad luck. Depends how you look at it, rather, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> despite slight regional xenophobia there, we'll move on. Yes, despite all the trains being off, the, the transport person uh, said, look, we're going to have to upgrade this stuff. We can't, have, we can't have trains being off all the time. It's going to be hot like this again. It'll probably get hotter we're going to need to make the whole thing more resilient. Now, look, that's not like radical... It's not smashing capitalism, is it? Smashing capitalism, or it's not like Churchillian, you know, we'll beat them on the, on the beaches or whatever. But it, it's a sort of practical manifestation of actually an acceptance that, yeah, the impacts are real and need planning for, and that's kind of useful. You know, the, the heat wave in France, the really bad one in 2003, made things fundamentally different in French cities. Like they they check in on old people during heat waves. They do all sorts of useful civic stuff. They spray water around for free. Like it changed things so that fewer people die when there's a heat wave. And I think probably things like that will happen here. Has it changed anything else? I mean, I don't think it's changed things. The political debate radically here. They're all banging on about tax still as if the heat wave hasn't happened. Mm. And what happens when it goes back to being normal sort of temperature again? And what happens if next summer isn't particularly hot because you know it may not be statistically? And like, yes, I know. I, I think there's something, I do think there's a couple of things have changed. Like nothing has really changed at one basic level, which is like we've still got climate change. It is still happening. It is in the post. Like the process has not changed. It has not no. got worse. The process, this is the process happening, right? That's what this process is. But there's something about... In the UK anyway, there's something about that number, I think. There's something about that crossing that 40 degrees thing. And the association that I think people will have with that being too hot, like too hot, that was too hot. That was like not, I, I defy anyone to think it's all right to be in that heat because it ain't. So I do think, I do think that will have some sort of lasting effect. And I do think it will be like, you know, this stuff is year on year. It's drip, drip, drip. Like every year, I think it gets harder and harder for Inhofs to be Inhoff about this stuff. We have you forgotten know. because we keep hearing that 2014 has been the warmest year on record. 
I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball. And that just because it's, from you know, here. as you said, so there's extreme weather cold. happening everywhere and more and more frequently and more and more extremely. Like we had some pretty tasty storms in the UK only a couple of months ago where, you know, brews are flying off and people were killed by falling trees and stuff. Now, I think I think this stuff is happening with such a kind of a horrible frequency that the Inhofs, as you say, who whose argument is always, we've had storms before, we've had heat waves before, we've had floods before. I, I just think that is going to bounce off actually quite soon. I do I agree with you. I think that has changed. I think the Inhofs days are numbered. Now, or rather that argument is numbered. What I don't think is numbered is this shift in denialism where they are, they were, I think it was the Telegraph ran a, ran a piece that was literally saying, we should, you know, all of this stupid, futile effort to mitigate climate change was ridiculous. Uh, we should instead be trying to adapt to it. Sure. And I think that's a really dangerous new trope here in, in the UK media because they know it's not legitimate for all the reasons you just said to, to pretend it isn't happening anymore. But they can definitely sense an opportunity to avoid their mates in the fossil fuel industry being told to stop fossil fueling and instead... Uh, for money to be spent on, you know, concrete walls to stop the seas rising and stuff. There's, it's a bit more tangible though, isn't it? Like you're, you're right. And obviously like what you do is you make yourself resilient and you try and stop so much of it happening. It's not either or, you need to do both. <laughs> Dave, that's not 2022. It's binary, all right? But like if I was in charge of stuff, I right now would be occupied with what Grant Shapps was saying. I'd be occupied with, well, how do I make my stuff keep working, right? And I think if I have a fear... Or not even a fear, like I guess a kind of dull prediction. It's that that's mostly what we're going to do. Like we're yeah. just going to make shit loads of air conditioners and we're going to make like shit loads of, um, you know, things that cope with it and railway tracks that bend in the heat rather than snapping it off like our ones do. And like that's mostly what we'll do, I think. And for most people, like albeit we will think of climate as a thing, I don't know if I honestly think it will snap us into calling for all the oil rigs to be shut down. Oh, not by itself. That still needs all the campaigning and that. You mean there's more work to do? <sighs> I'm really tired. Now, look, this has been a sort of necessarily parochial little chat about parochial little UK. But we, of course, recognise that this is not just a UK problem by any far from it. stretch. Far from it. Um, you know, currently ongoing, extraordinarily apocalyptic scenes in a lot of Western Europe uh, and throughout Europe, in fact. But obviously this sort of stuff, as in severe, severe climate impacts has been happening in the global south and in bits of the developing world for a very long time. I mean, I was giving speeches about climate change five years ago, I was trotting out stats about bits of Pakistan suffering multiple days over 50 degrees, uh, you know, where it's it's simply not habitable. And, and lots of people, Asad Raymond, who we've had on this show, has talked about like death zones or sacrifice zones i think so bits of the world that are effectively already being sacrificed to the ravages of climate change and they are of course the bits of the world that have always suffered from 
uh, inequality and from the exploitation and uh, colonialism of of the global north, really. So we just, I don't know, just wanted to say that. We know, we, we understand that this is in many ways just a bunch of rich Westerners going, oh, blimey, it's getting hot, isn't it? Uh, oh, blimey, this we thing we mostly caused appears to now be harming us. We better care about it. Yeah. I guess there's nothing quite like feeling it to make you feel it, if you see what I mean. Like there, there is a difference, if I'm being honest, between like the abstract idea of a place having a 40 degree heat wave and actually being in one. Like there is a, there is a, there is a tangible difference in terms of what I feel about it. Same way as like when I got COVID, I felt rather differently to it as when I just heard about it. Um, <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe that is what's needed to an extent, you know, for, certainly for the kind of feeling it, knowing what it is and then imagining, sorry, oh, you just said 10 degrees hotter than that. It's like putting on a jumper and going out in that heat is what they had in Pakistan. Like, no thanks, mate. Yeah, so um, it's all really shit, isn't it? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Is what we're saying here. But yeah, more importantly, solidarity to anyone listening who's listening not in the UK, uh, but in places where it's, uh, it's awful. And yeah, stay safe as best you can. Right, that is just about it for the UK's temperate climate. Uh, go somewhere else for your temperate climate. Where's colder, usually? Shetland. Yeah. Well, it's, it's in the UK, but oh, go yeah. go there. It's very nice. Uh, thank you very much to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts, ends and intertwinkles this podcast and to the legendary Arthur Stovall for the logo What Adorns It and Us and our merch, what you can find at www.sustainababble.fish. Thank you as ever to everybody who leaves us nice reviews on your podcast medium of choice. Please join them. That horrible one-star review has now disappeared off the top list of reviews. That's good, but please do go there. Leave a review with your hands. Um, and if you like the babble and you would like to chuck in a bit Dosh, you can go to wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. You can get in touch with the show by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish, by tweeting us at the Babble Wagon, or by just searching Facebook for Sustainababble. Right, very good, Ol. I am off to dunk my head into the bucket of ice that I've kept in the freezer all this week. What are you doing? I'm going to record another babble. Oh, yes, another babble. We're lining up summer episodes of Babble. So we shall be back uh, in one way of looking at it in 15 minutes, in another way of looking at it next week. Right? Jolly good. Bye. Bye. Bye.